Well, welcome to Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. It's made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Special edition of Inside Twins because it's a home edition with bench coach Derek Shelton. Now, Shelton, usually we get you on the road and you get to traipse up elevators and stairwells and get the bird's eye view. And it's another new uh, experience for you. You get to be in our studio here today. Yeah. I mean, it's, what, 100 yards away, 100 feet away from our clubhouse, and I've never been down here. It's kind of cool. Yeah, usually I'm the one that gets to go to the top of stadiums, which has actually been kind of cool this year because I've, I've never seen uh, from that vantage point to do uh, to do stuff. So, yeah, this is uh, just checking off another box for me. Well, it's a beautiful Sunday. It's a great day for baseball, trying to have a series with the Oakland Athletics. And if you're a fan, Two things in their mind right now that they probably are hoping we talk about for the next half hour. They're like, why is everything going haywire? The sky is falling. That's part one. And two is when are we going to trade for the National League All-Star team and, <laughs> and make a run? We're not necessarily going to approach uh, e- either of those topics directly. But I want to talk about last night's game because this team uh, has been incredibly resilient in terms of you play a game, you process the game, you flush the game, you come back and you play the next day. And good teams have to do that over the course of a long season. As a coach, last night, how long did it take you to digest yesterday's ball game, and at what point are you able to put it behind you and force yourself to look ahead? Well, it's it's gotten I've gotten better at it as I've gotten older, or if I've been in the game longer. I mean, ten years ago, I would probably still be sitting here, you know, stewing over over last night's game. But you know, I think by the time I got home last night, drove home, and then you know, you get home and your kids are there, and they don't. You know, they don't know. They don't care. I mean, my nine-year-old dyed her hair purple last night, so she wanted to talk about that. So that's what we were talking about last night when we came in. So uh, you, you move on, and I think your your initial point was probably the most important. This is a really resilient team, and this is a team where the entire clubhouse, the entire coaching staff stays fairly neutral all the time, good and bad. So, you know, it was a good baseball game. It was a baseball game that didn't turn out on our end because they made a couple plays that we didn't, and they got a hit that we didn't. So, you know, I think we move on. But, uh, you know, we're still in a pretty good spot. We're a good baseball team. You know, we're just going through a stretch where we're not playing as well. And I think sometimes you can become myopic if you only watch one team and think, oh, my gosh, every team has stretches like this. The Astros had, a, what, an eight-game right. losing streak. The Cubs have struggled. The Dodgers have struggled. Is there something to the fact that you guys made it seem so easy? Uh, the perception was it, it looked so easy for the first two months of this season that getting back to really regular stretches of baseball almost seems like an outlier? Right. I think when you play, when you start the season and you play that well, that consistently, you know, you almost begin to, th- or people begin to think like, oh, okay, this is easy. This is just what the expectation is. But the fact that we got into July without losing three games in a row, I think is, you know, something that's, yeah, it's (laughs) something that's, that's not normal, which goes back to the resiliency of our club. And uh, I think it's just one of those things that when you start to play really well, you expect that that's the norm and there's ebbs and flows to the season. And when you have those ebbs and flows, you have to be able to just maintain and stay the course and stay true to what, uh, you know, what kind of team you are, what kind of staff you are, you know, how you interact. And it's just one of those Thanks. Yeah, and you mentioned when you were a younger player or a younger coach, maybe it's harder for you uh, to, to not stew on it longer. I feel like this clubhouse, despite relatively young clubhouse, with the exception of a guy like uh, Nelson Cruz maybe, I feel like they're a little more mature than some other younger players in that respect. That Because you can preach it all you want, but if the guys who are actually playing can't do it, then it doesn't matter. And right. yet I feel like they have, as a collective, uh, a, a good 
processing rate at this point? I, I think they do, and I think part of that is the culture you create. You know, when you create a culture like we've created here where, you know, there there's not a lot of highs, there's not a lot of lows. And then the other thing is, is we have some older souls in there. You know, we have some guys that are younger players but are very mature, the way they go about it, the way they handle themselves. So, you know, and then when you have, you know, a guy like Nelson that's in that clubhouse, you have a guy like Marwin that, that has played and won in a World Series, you know, they realize those things. But when you have veteran leadership that, that doesn't get too high and too low, it, it makes it easier to, to stabilize. Your clubhouse has been really solid all year. It's never easy when there's change uh, in a clubhouse like that. This last week has been difficult, I know, for everybody because there comes a time when roster moves have to be made. You had to DFA some guys that were not only really effective for your club, but also really well-liked as part of the fabric of this clubhouse. Now, you're, as Rocco says, the clubhouse coach. You're always checking on everybody. You're moving around. That has to be a tough week for you as well as for them. You know it's part of the business and you have to move on, but how has that process been over the last couple of weeks? Well, it's just making sure that you have conversations with guys. And, you know, I, the fact that Rock says that's kind of funny. But, it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is part of my job. And, and, I, and I saw some guys in Tampa that were, that were pretty good at it. George Hendrick was probably the best I've ever seen at it. Joe Madden used to call him the clubhouse coach all the time. And, and the way he interacted with people, you know, I, I kind of learned from that. But it's a tough week when you lose guys. But when you have the depth that we have, it, it makes those decisions difficult. And when you have the depth that we have and you have non-optional guys, which both guys that we lost, unfortunately, were guys without options, you have to make difficult decisions and you have to make decisions that you think are going to be the best for your club going forward. So it's just making sure. And our club was really good about it. The guys that, that we talked about and, and talked to, you know, they handled it like pros and realized that it's a business. And the fact that we haven't had to make any moves like that this far into the season just, you know, shows our depth. And it also shows the fact that, you know, we bounced back and forth with some guys being injured. Derek Shelton is our guest, Twins bench coach. It's inside Twins. Twins taking on the A's today. Now the trade deadline is looming. Uh, it, it's coming up at the end of July. Nobody knows what's going to happen in terms of this being a one-deadline season for the very first time ever. But odds are there will be changes here and, and around the league. As the clubhouse coach, <laughs> that's a plus because the team's like, hey, we're good. We can add some pieces. I think the part of that puzzle that, often gets left out is that if you add you have to subtract and you've got to keep tabs on that throttle as well don't you in terms of the clubhouse in terms of our guys pressing are they worried am I going to go is somebody else going to go because when you add again you have to subtract and when you have a fabric of a, a room as as good as you guys have had it that's not always just easy black and white sort of math yeah it's not I mean I, I think your point you know when you look at the, the trade deadline externally you're looking at it as you're adding but Again, you know, there's only 25 roster spots, so you're subtracting. And, and unless there's an injury or something else that's going on, you're going to be taking something away from your club that's been a part of your club. So to sit here and speculate a, of what's going to go on, whether it's here or whether it's elsewhere, is it number one, it's way too early. And I say way too early, and it's July 21st, and the deadline's nine days away. But it's just the way those things work. And, and you know, I, I think – the trade day, the trade deadline makes for good Twitter and it makes for good TV and it makes for good radio. But in terms of our clubhouse, we're worrying about today and then we're going to worry about tomorrow. We're not going to worry about who's going to be here and who who's not going to be here. It's more of the fact that just focusing on the day to day. And that leads to, I think, a great balance between what Thad and Derek in the front office do and then what you and Rocco in the clubhouse do, where there's tremendous interaction and communication and emerging. But there's also that separation. Hey, you guys worry about this. 
We'll worry about this. We'll ask you questions. We'll check in with you. We'll see what you think. We value your perspective on it, but you've got a job to do, and we'll go worry about the bigger picture. Right. I, you know, I think one of Derek and Thad's greatest strengths, you know, with our staff and with Rockwell and I specifically is inclusion. I mean, they, they talk to us about things. They ask our opinion, like you said, but they handle that kind of stuff and they realize the day-to-day of what we have going on and but there is daily conversations about you know about not only what we're doing but what other teams are doing what's going on in the field but you know in that regard our main concern is what goes on you know from 110 or 710 and then from there on out and not worrying about the other things and hopefully what goes on today the twins uh, split this series with the athletics with the Yankees, your old organization, coming to town for three this week. The show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Derek Shelton is in studio, and we'll come back and talk more with Shelton when we return on your home for Twins baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created, legends are made. Speaking of legends, the man in the camo tights, Derek Shelton, is back <laughs> in studio with us here. And, Derek, we do appreciate you joining us, and you've done uh, a bang-up job all year long. I want to get away from what's currently going on on the field and talk about kind of some bigger stuff as well. Um, your son Jackson's been with you. And if anybody sees, is they're in early, a guy with a great head of hair is out taking ground balls. Um, and I know Tony Diaz's son is here, and he's been with the club for a while. So much is sacrificed for a career in this game. You miss graduations and weddings and birthday parties and Mother's Day and so many things. For you to now have Jackson at the place he is in his life, getting ready to go off to his next uh, uh, level of adventures, to have him with you on a daily basis to to spend that time together at work, that has to be priceless, right, at this point in your baseball journey? Yeah, it's cool. It really is. And, you know, I mean, I was fortunate with I spent seven years in – in Tampa because I was at home and most people don't get to do that most people that that do what we do don't get to spend you know when they're coaching they don't get to spend that many years at their home where you know every home game you're at home in your own bed and so it was cool but having Jax up here for the last month you know he's going off to college here in a month which is you know mind-blowing to me it is is very cool and one of the one of the unique things and you know I've talked about it numerous times about when I made the decision to stay this year was about the people that are here and and you know I think it speaks to the people in our clubhouse with Hot Rod and and Frank and and Timmy and that group and and it's fun to see Jackson interact with those guys the guys that I interact with daily because you know he's an adult now he's 18 years old and I mean he gets a good mix of working out with me Tony Diaz has been working with him a ton in the infield along with his son, Anthony, and then to see him, he actually works in the clubhouse. You know, when when I left, he was folding towels, and I asked him last night on the way home, I said, what did you do all day? He said, I folded towels for about an hour. So, you know, it, it's good for him because for Jackson, he's – as long as he can remember, I've been in the big leagues. So, and it's it's different. It's, you know, you come to a big league stadium, you're on a big league field. It's it's a little bit different for, for most kids, and, you know, I don't want him to take that for granted, and, and I appreciate the fact that – Rodney lets him be in the clubhouse and makes him puts him to work and it's it's kind of a cool thing but yeah it's special to have him here yeah I think about what you guys have right now and it takes the right kid and it takes the right environment uh, I think of CJ growing up in minor league ballparks with his dad and his brother all those years and it's such a unique it's such a unique opportunity uh, that so few people have and what I love is that they don't take it for granted I, I see the way that they function within the realm of everything that's going on and it's pretty special and then on, on your end again the ride home even from the ballpark yeah like like that think of all the nights you go home on a bus or you go home by yourself to go home from the ballpark 
uh, with your own son, I mean, has to be just a great cap or anything. Yeah, it, it's very cool. I mean, the, the ride home after the game, you know, there's different things we can talk about. There's different teaching points. And it, it's funny you say that in, you know, the year I spent in Toronto, Troy Tulowitzki made a comment to me about, about Jackson one day. And it's probably the best comment I've, I've had about him. It's the fact that, you know, he's like – he said he acts like he belongs. And when you have a major league player, major league players do not want their inner sanctum of their clubhouse disrupted daily. And when a veteran guy like Tulo said that about Jax, it, you know, it, he was at age 16 at that point, it was, it was a little confirmation of like, all right, you know, we've done a pretty good job of, of raising him in a major league clubhouse where he knows how to act and how not to act because the kids that don't know how to act if they're in there, they'll, they'll weed themselves out really quickly. And his hair's not purple yet. His hair's not purple, but he's definitely – he's got the best hair in that clubhouse by far. He, he's extremely proud of his hair, too. I mean, you know, it's long and flowing, and it's not gray like mine. So, But, yeah, he, he's extremely proud of it, and he won't ever wear a hat. You, why, 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 why would he? <laughs> the, you mentioned your time in Toronto, and you had kind of a funky tweener title there. You were a hitting coach for a long time. You're a bench coach now. How does your role change how you watch a game? Well, the role now, I have to watch the whole game. Everything. <laughs> when I was a hitting coach, uh, and I, I give J-Row static about it when it's cold, that he gets to go inside and watch video when we're on defense. But it, it's completely different. When I watched the game as a hitting coach, I, you know, I wasn't managing the game along with the manager. I was watching what the hitters were doing. I was watching pitch sequences. I was watching different things pitchers were doing. I was having conversations with hitters about what was going on. Now I'm essentially managing the game along with Rocco in terms of what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, talking to Wes about you know our pitching situation before there was never any conversations on pitching, making sure defensively we're you know in the right spots and doing that. So it's it's definitely a, a different vision. It's it's almost like watching the game you know as you're managing the game because the suggestions you're going to make to Rocco or you know to Wes are about the game and what's gonna how it's gonna continue to flow yeah it's a great dynamic in the in the twins dugout right now Derek Shelton is our guest the show is inside twins you know we're sneaking up on Hall of Fame weekend and Mariano Rivera shocker is going right into the Hall of Fame uh, as well he should you go way back with Mariano Rivera you probably caught him right in, yeah, in, in, in a ball when you first caught a young Rivera starter then uh, this was pre-cutter Rivera uh, it was your first. Uh, I just caught a. I just caught the guy who's going to have the highest percentage of Hall of Fame votes ever. I mean, uh, what was that like? And what is it like now to see where he is and the man that he's become in in the game and and outside the game? Well, I think the first thing about it is is that he has not changed as a person. You know, he was a very quiet, very respectful, very nice person. You know, in 1993 in Greensboro, he was coming off Tommy John, uh, a team that Bill Evers. Who our current coach was the manager of, but he was he was just a very nice person, and I don't think you know anything has ever changed him in that regard. In terms of like what his stuff was like, he probably weighed about 145, 150 pounds at that time. Easy arm, you know, the ball came out just nice and natural. The the infamous cutter now was kind of a slider, but the the thing you notice is the ball came out of his hand and it looked like he was playing catch and it was 94, it was 95. It was just, you know, know, it was just easy. But to say that, you know, we knew he was going to be what it is, it's it's not true. I mean, the funny thing is is the other Hall of Famer played short on that team in, in, in Jeter. And I think, you know, everybody that played on that team knew all right, this guy's going to be really special. And the fact with Mo is Mo was coming off being on rehab and just kind of working his way back. And 
you know, like we said, it was pre-cutter, so I don't think anybody knew it was going to be, uh, you know, the pitch it was today. Who else was Posada on those teams? And some Posada was not on those teams. I'm trying to think other guys that played in the big leagues. Uh, Mike Buddy, who pitched on a couple of the World Series teams in in New York, yeah, was on that team. Ryan Carp, who pitched with the Phillies. Tommy Wilson, who's now one of New York's top scouts, was on that team. Going around. And so Jeter probably was responsible for a lot of your cardio because you had to run <laughs> up and back up first base, <laughs> yeah. right? When yeah. he was throwing the ball away fifty times. Yeah, G, uh, G, The funny thing about that is, is Derek was the only like high school kid on that team. It was a very like the year before at ninety two. It was a very heavy college dominant draft for the Yankees, and and that entire team. I, Derek was by far the youngest. He was nineteen and with a bunch of twenty one, twenty two, twenty three year olds and. He was probably the most mature out of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> out of all of us at that time. Funny how that all works out. We're joined by Derek Shelton. It's Inside Twins, brought to you by Killerbury Rupert. We've got one final segment. We'll talk about the Twins and the A's when we come back on your home for Twins baseball. Final segment here on Inside Twins. Derek Shelton, Twins bench coach, is our guest. Twins and the A's today. More of that, more of that athletics green. Yeah. Here today, right? Yeah. Just like. Uh, just like the lovely city of Green Isle, my guy Nate Dahman was telling me you got to go to the New Yorker. We were talking about New Yorker yep. and have a, have a steak and steak and a lager at the at the New Yorker there in Green Isle. So you got Isle. the A's in Green, and then New York coming to town. So you go yeah, to Green we, Isle. Same thing, Green Isle, New Yorker, and you get the New Yorker steak and, you have a and a steak. lager. Yeah. Let's talk about these these athletics. Uh, we'll see him one final time. Uh, I, I want to talk about Matt Chapman, and we talk a lot about our guys because we got some great baseball players playing for the Minnesota Twins. But Matt Chapman is a guy. If you don't stay up late and watch him out west. Uh, play a lot of the games by the time we're going to bed or the East Coast is going to bed. He is a dynamite baseball player. Yeah, really, you know, I was talking to their media people the first day in when, you know, he was battling that ankle thing, and and I was kind of hoping he wouldn't play for four days. He's the guy you really <laughs> like to watch play, except if he's against you. You know, personal opinion, uh, he's probably one of the top two or three defenders in the game, and you normally don't say that about a third baseman, but this guy changes the game. I mean, from where he plays in shifts, the way he handles bunts, Everything he does is really good, and he's really fun to watch, and I'll be really happy for him to go back out west and quit diving and catching ground balls that it should be singles and doubles. Yeah, they, they could add insurance runs late in ball Yes, games. exactly. <laughs> that would exactly. uh, be good if he would quit doing that. I feel like when I watch the A's play, they approach it a little differently than the Twins do, different roster makeup, but I feel like there's a lot more similarities in the makeup of the players on these two teams than there are differences. I feel like if these two teams played 100 times, I mean, it might be – 51 to 49 right. at the end of the series. Yeah, I, th I mean, I think these two teams are very similar, and they're both good baseball teams. And, you know, I, I think that's the one thing, you know, with people, especially in the Midwest, not knowing they're a good baseball team. You don't see the A's. They don't get a lot of credit. You know, they're out west. They play later at night. They're in, you know, Oakland. It doesn't get as much glamour as being in L.A. And, and, you know, Houston. But they're a good baseball team, and they grind. And I think, you know, if you walked in their clubhouse, like we talked about the highs and the lows, I would bet they don't have highs and lows. They have a good manager. They have a good staff. And uh, you watch the way they play every single day. They're a resilient club. And it's been good games. And, you mm -hmm. know, it's games that – you know, they've gotten a hit, and we haven't gotten a hit, and they've made a pitch, and we haven't made a pitch. So it's just one of those things that happen. Yeah, they have a chip, too. They have a little like Tampa Bay in, in, in a lot of respects, I think. In terms of when you play them, you know you're in for, for a fight uh, every time. And I would argue that's what we've you built here, right? I mean, I think when the Twins come into your town to play you, I think most teams expect they're going to be in for a 27-out fight. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, I, and I think 
when when we come into town, you know, people realize they got to execute pitches. They they're going to have to put them on play. You know, we've played good defense, so I yeah, I think there's a, you know a lot of similarities, a lot of similarities in in how the clubs are and, and the expectation of what teams have when they play those teams. Byron Buxton has been out. He is palpably missed when he is gone. There's just nobody like him. You can't really replace him. Uh, I know we don't yet know medically when he's going to be back uh, on the field, but how excited are you to be able to put him back in center, put him back in that nine hole, and then sit back a little bit? I think very excited. You know, when we talked about Chapman and I said that, you know, I felt Chapman was one of the top couple defenders in the game, I think that's, you know, Bucks in that Last category. Last two platinum glove winners. Yeah, right and, and I think, you know, he changes the game, and what he's done offensively and the adjustments he's made this year have just, you know, put him in, put him in, a, in a better spot. So it's going to be nice to have him back. It kind of it kind of puts things back in the order of the universe because Cap goes back to be able to go to right, Marvin goes able to be afloat, and we can make different decisions in our lineup. So it's going to be nice to have him back. I mean, you know, it's one of those – you know things that happen in the game where you have the injury he has, but walking, watching him walk into the clubhouse and be in better spirits and have a smile on his face—that I think that makes everybody that's a Twins fan feel really good. All right, well, we're going to let you walk back into your clubhouse and get ready for this one. Derek Shelton's been our guest. The show is Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Just the start of a big day. Pre-game lineup card is coming up next, right here on your home for Twins baseball.